Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, January 4th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, a new stat came out that $14.3 million is the average salary of the 100 highest paid CEOs in Canada in 2021. That's a new record that was a gobsmacking 21% higher than the previous record set in 2018. Thoughts, Jay? It was a great year for CEOs. Well, you're the CEO, so you tell me. What are your thoughts, Brent? I'd be lucky if I made the top 100,000 CEOs in the country, Jay. That's lucky. I guess we found a job that is recession-proof and actually recession-resistant. That's a lot of money, and it's a bad time for that stat to come out. People are about to be angry about the top 100 CEOs. I'd be interested. So that was 2021. I'd be interested in what 2022 shows because there was the downturn, but I think it's a lagging indicator. To change the salary of a CEO, it has to be done via the board. And so I think you'll probably see lower salaries come 2023. 2022 is probably also pretty high. Yeah, I don't think they're going down. CEO salaries generally don't go down regardless of income. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> they're not worrying about the increased price of milk, those CEOs for sure. In fact, I bet they don't even know what it is. Brett, aside from CEOs' salaries, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Western countries want to play Robin Hood for Ukraine. For our second story, Canada's manufacturing sector is slowing down. And for our last story, SBF pleads not guilty. For our first story, some Western countries are looking to play Robin Hood by taking Russia's money and giving it to Ukraine. But it's not as simple as just swooping in with a crossbow and green tights. Brett, that sounds like a great costume, actually, for Justin Trudeau next Halloween. But what are countries thinking right now? The man loves his costumes. So here's what's happening, Jay. Germany said it's open to the idea of redistributing foreign Russian assets it has to Ukraine, of which it has $4.48 billion in frozen assets. But it will only do so if its allies will also do the same. In November, the European Commission president said the EU aims to reach an agreement to use confiscated Russian assets to help rebuild Ukraine. So seizing Russian assets is an alluring option for the EU. It's set to finance most of Ukraine's rebuilding and would love to do that while also reducing the pain inflicted on its pocketbooks. But the EU, as well as countries like the US, are reluctant to seize assets, fearing that it could create sticky legal new precedents, undermine credibility as a place for global finance, and scare off other foreign central banks from parking their money with them. Now, in Canada... As the EU debates whether or not seizing assets is a good idea, Canada already committed to it in June, giving itself the legal ability to confiscate funds from foreign actors that have breached international peace and security, read Russia, Jay. The feds are just now taking the new measure out for a spin, announcing last month it plans to seize $36 million in assets from Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich. Here's why it matters. As Canada takes steps to become the first G7 country to seize Russian assets for Ukraine, it's at risk of the aforementioned potential downsides, like losing credibility as a place for foreign investment. However, it could also set a new global precedent and give other countries a framework for carrying out similar legislation. Here's the bottom line. If the EU joins Canada and kicks off a chain reaction redistributing Russian assets, that would be good news for Ukraine, which needs around $349 billion to rebuild. It'd be great news if the US is convinced to join in as well, as it has a whopping $330 billion US in frozen Russian assets. For our second story, activity in Canada's manufacturing sector is seeing its longest slowdown in seven years thanks to a drop in output, new orders, and purchasing activity per Reuters. But before you doze back off to sleep, Brett, manufacturing is a big deal for the economy. The sector directly accounts for 10% of Canada's total gross domestic product, or GDP, 9.3% of employment, about 1.5 million people, and indirectly represents 30% of total economic activity. Manufacturers are struggling with high commodity prices too, namely 
namely energy, food, and minerals, and have been passing the hikes along to customers in the last year. And here's why it matters. Slowing growth in the sector, mostly thanks to rapid interest rate hikes, is bad news for Canada's overall GDP growth. It also paints a picture of broad consumer sentiment towards the economy going into 2023, which, no surprise, is looking grim. Meanwhile, companies are still sitting on excess inventories, which continue to rise as sales fall and will have to start cutting production to address the imbalance. As consumers brace for a potential recession, demand will likely continue to shrink from here, per the Conference Board of Canada. That means consumers will put off big-ticket purchases and businesses will hesitate to expand unless the economy improves. For our third story, former FTX CEO and ex-quote-unquote next Warren Buffett, Sam Bankman-Fried, a.k.a. SBF, went to court yesterday to maintain his innocence in the face of charges that could land him in prison for up to 115 years. Here's what's happening, Brett. SBF pleaded not guilty yesterday to eight counts of fraud and conspiracy stemming from accusations that he used crypto exchange FTX and its sister company Alameda Research as a way to defraud users of billions of dollars. The disgraced crypto wonderkind is currently out on bail, which was set at $250 million and living at his parents' house while awaiting his date in court. The not guilty plea comes despite the fact two of his closest associates, former Alameda Research CEO Caroline Ellison and FTX co-founder Gary Wang, already threw him under the bus after pleading guilty to fraud and agreeing to cooperate with prosecutors. Of course, SBF could always change his plea later on, meaning he could eventually plead guilty or no contest if it becomes in his best interest. Whatever the final result of the trial is, it could be a bellwether for future major crypto crime currency cases. That's a lot to say, with prosecutors looking to make an example of SBF and FTX while putting the crypto industry on notice. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thanks, Brett. Have a good day, Peak Pals. Thanks, Jay. When you give me shock waves.